Hey folks, it's JR, back for another episode of Echoes of Shannon Street Case File. It's going to be episode 73, Click, Click, Click. We're going to go over the St. Jude hostage situation today's episode. I think we can get it all in one episode. Alright folks, let's, uh, let's get into this episode here. We'll see how different... St. Jude hostage situation was to Shannon Street. Okay, folks, we're going to start out. I'm going to read an article that's published in the New York Times. From there, I'll give you some information that came from the Commercial Appeal, one of the two newspapers in Memphis at the time. I'll try to let you know if there's any obvious errors in it, but these are the only sources I have, and it's not bad. We'll start with the New York Times article first. Thursday, February 4th, 1982. This is when the incident occurred, 10.30 a.m. For 34 hours, the father of a child who had died of leukemia held the city captive as four hostages he took in the hospital where his son had been treated. The ordeal began at 10.30 a.m. Thursday as St. Jude Research Hospital was preparing to observe its 20th anniversary. It ended Friday night when the Memphis police stormed the room and killed the man. His name was Jean-Claude Goulet, and he was 40 years old. He lived in a trailer in Louisiana. He died in a windowless room at the hospital where he had held the hostages under a 357 Magnum to a draw to draw attention to his theory about what caused his son's fatal illness, a theory that leukemia researchers here discounted. Mr. Goulet, a French Canadian welder, believed that a synthetic estrogen that his ex wife took while pregnant, along with a case of hepatitis he himself once had, caused his son to get leukemia. His six-year-old, Robert Michael, died at St. Jude on December 27, 1980. The hostages Mr. Goulet seized Thursday morning were all involved in his son's treatment. First, he pulled his weapon on a psychology examiner, Joe Cummings. He had Miss Cummings page Dr. Paul Bowman, a pediatrician, Gene Cox, a nurse, and Dr. George Martin, a psychiatrist. According to hospital employees, he took them to an examining room. Throughout the afternoon, police tried to negotiate with the man by telephone. He demanded to be interviewed for two television programs, ABC's 2020 and CBS's 60 Minutes. At 4.30 p.m., he released Dr. Martin in exchange for food, five hamburgers, five cheeseburgers, and potato chips. The night passed with Mr. Goulet smoking marijuana, according to Police Director E. Winslow Chapman. He wants to tell the world his story, a hospital spokesman Jerry Chipman said Friday morning. We told him when he put down his gun, he could. Later, Dr. Bowman told the man's story over the telephone to police who taped it and implored local radio stations to play it in the hope that it would appease him. 
The police said Dr. Bowman was used because Mr. Goulet's thick accent was difficult to understand. The tape ran eight minutes, and the whole city stopped to hear it, according to local newspapers. Now, I'm not going to get into the, the message itself, other than the Mr. Goulet was just wanting to point out the, the cause of leukemia. Permission for the administration of these drugs was given by Michael's mother after lengthy discussions as to the potential benefits. Now, of course, he wasn't there at the time, so of course he's angry that a decision was made about giving drugs to his son. Now, let's go down here a little bit further. Late Friday, the police reported that the man apparently was unhappy with the tape. Officers used an open phone line to monitor the first floor room in which the hostages were being held. About 8 p.m. Friday, according to Mr. Chipman, Mr. Goulet's behavior became more erratic. Mr. Chipman said the police could hear him cocking and uncocking his weapon. Officers stormed the door at 8.45 p.m. Mr. Goulet was killed with four shots from an M16 rifle. Police said Dr. Bowman had suffered minor injuries in the struggle with Mr. Goulet. The other two hostages were not hurt. All right, this next part will be from the commercial appeal. Threats against three hostages, coupled with the cold, unmistakable sound of a pistol being cocked, then uncocked, convinced police they had to end a distraught father's two-day siege at St. Jude Children's Hospital. The grim standoff came to an end about 8.45 last night, which would be Friday, with Jean... Claude Goulet lying dead in a pool of blood, gunned down in a four-bullet burst from a police TAC unit officer's rifle. All three hostages were safe. During most of the tense stalemate, police were optimistic that the siege would end without gunplay because Goulet had held the three hostages in the same examining room for hours without harming them. But by nightfall yesterday, the optimism of the police officers had vanished. The words and sounds they heard over a telephone line left open inside the cramped, windowless room were grim. Goulet was becoming more erratic, cocking and uncocking his pistol he held on his captives. Police Director E. Winslow Chapman said his negotiators judged further talk to be futile when Goulet began muttering that he was going to die and then threatened to kill two of the hostages. But four police tact squad officers reached Goulet before he was able to fulfill his threat. He was killed by a four-round burst from the M-16 rifle fired by Patrolman J. Thurman. That's tact officer J. Thurman. So folks, what we got is is We've got negotiators, the same negotiators that were at Shannon Street. They're there. Jeff Larkin, I think, was the one in charge of this one, the main negotiator. 
Anyways, they're talking to Galay. And he just wants his message put out. So basically what happens is, is he says, okay, I'll let the hostages go if you get the radio stations to, to play this tape. So they made the tape. It was eight minutes long. It was played on the radio stations. And then Goulet changed his mind and said, no, that wasn't the authentic tape. I'm not going to let the hostages go. And we don't have a problem until he starts talking about killing himself and killing some of the hostages. And then they start hearing that click, click, click of the of him cocking and decocking his revolver. All right, let me re- read a little bit more here from the commercial appeal. At 7.45 last night, which is Friday, February the 5th, 1982, Chapman, talking about Director Chapman, other police commanders and hospital officials held a strategy session in the north wing of St. Jude, opposite where Goulet was holding the hostages. Police then locked the hospital's front doors and closed off the corridors behind the lobby. Ladders were maneuvered into the corridor behind the front lobby. Ladders used by officers assigned to climb up into the false ceiling and create a diversion correction, diversionary noise just above the room. Now, Commercial Appeal says the assault team was John Birdsong, Johnny Filsinger, Dave Hubbard, and Jay Thurman. Now, you'll remember Hubbard was on the assault team at Shannon Street. Thurman was on top of the school, I believe, for most of the time. Johnny Filsinger was on outside perimeter, and he's one of the ones that was chunking in tear gas just prior to the assault on Shannon Street. Now, according to the commercial appeal, there was another officer, Phil Hale, who was in the ceiling above the room. Now, I've always been told that it was Joe Shelton. Uh, Joe Shelton, smaller in stature, and it, he would definitely be more believable as being the one crawling around and up in the rafters trying to get above the room. But this says Phil Hell. Anyways, so when Hale or Shelton is crawling around on the false ceiling, Goulet hears him gets on top of a desk inside the room and starts poking at the the ceiling panels. Now, after he starts doing this, the TAC unit kicks in the door, actually rams the door open. I think they actually had Hubbard do it because Hubbard's a big man. And they crashed the door open. Literally, Hubbard used his body and just knocked the doors open, from what I understand. And then when they got inside, Jay Thurman put two in the chest and two in the head. I thought it was actually three, but uh, the paper says four. Okay, folks, so we've got a hostage situation that lasts approximately 34 hours and they have 
active negotiations with the hostage taker, Goulet. In fact, he even trades out a hostage for food. And the police are thinking the whole time that uh, this is going to be a successful negotiation because remember, a successful hostage negotiation is that everybody comes out alive. That's the hostages and the hostage taker. They did not go in until, and this is something to remember when we start comparing the two later, the police went in when there was a viable threat against the hostages. When the hostage taker started talking about harming himself and harming the hostages, negotiators then said, okay, we've lost him, y'all going to have to go in. That's the key point. And just remember, this lasted 34 hours. One more little something I want to read to you that's of interest. And this is from a hostage negotiator expert that the Commercial Appeal spoke to. Dr. Dennis Johnson from Kentucky, and he's involved with the Correctional Institute. This is what he says. You have four options in a hostage situation. First, you can negotiate. This is preferred because it gives you the highest probability that no one will get hurt. Then you can use sharpshooters or use chemical agents. Or you could try assault. And he goes on to say, if you think the hostages are in an increased state of danger, that's when you go to the assault. Let me read that again. If you think the hostages are in an increased state of danger, that's when you go in to the assault. He didn't say you go in when the hostages are being harmed or are dead already. It's only when there's an increased state of danger. Now, he goes on and talks about the goals involved in hostage negotiations. The first is to preserve the life of the hostages. The next is to preserve the life of any other citizens who are indirectly involved. Then you have to preserve the lives of your personnel, such as the tax squad members and negotiators. Your lowest priority is the life of the hostage taker. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up this episode. We'll let you chew on this for a while, and what we'll do is... In a Another episode here down the road may even be the next one. We might wait wait a couple episodes, but anyways, we're gonna we're gonna compare the two side by side, and we'll see if we can make a determination on if Shannon Street was different and how it was different and why it was different. I hope uh, y'all have enjoyed this. I'm sorry it was a little 
a little stop and go there, but I, I did want to read information that was put out to the public. Folks, I do appreciate you. We'll get back together real soon. Until then, I'll see you down the road. <laughs>